welcome to More Than Myths. Hello. Hello. Welcome to More Than Myths. Welcome. How are you, Haley? I'm doing good. Just enjoying some rainy weather here. It's been so Ooh. rainy. Oh, I've loved nice. it. It's very nice. Mm-hmm. We always have rain here, so you can, you know, have any any rain I have any anytime you want. <laughs> anytime. Your rain is my rain. Yeah. How nice of you to share. You're welcome. You drinking a truly? I am. It's a pineapple one. I We're going to see truly. if we can make it as funny as last week. <laughs> oh, I feel like I should be drinking too. Maybe you should. Um, Do you have a truly? A pineapple one? No, but I have a peach tea one, I think. Mm. Yeah, we got these at... Can you guess where I got these? Costco. You bet your ass. <laughs> <laughs> that checks out. It was very reasonably priced. That is hilarious. I know I love going to Costco. I also I also enjoy going to Costco. Um, Until I get to the checkout and I'm like, oh my God, what did we buy? <laughs> you're like, is this all necessary? How is this possible? I only got three things. <laughs> I blacked out. Why do we have peanut butter pretzels? Yeah. <laughs> Who put those in there? It was me. It was me. It was me. I know. Every time I'm like, ooh, a pack of cheese. But then I also do this thing. I I do this thing at Costco. I don't know if anybody else does it where I like try to guess the price. And everything is either 10, 20, 30. Like it's all by tens. Mm -hmm. So I'm like, that's $10. Those two things are $10. You know, like I'm like, okay, so it's going to be like $250. And then yeah. I'll go up and I like see how close I actually am. Oh yeah, we um, always wager. Yeah, I bet it's gonna be two forty-seven, and then it's way more than that. <laughs> it's eight hundred dollars. Yeah. Um. Excuse me. We need to put back three of those cheese packets. <laughs> we we don't need that much. Cheese. We don't need those. But leave those little pudding cups because. Oh, yeah. I love, okay, my favorite things from Costco are the Costco chicken. I love their $5 chickens. Oh, the rotisserie ones? Yeah. Mm-hmm. I will go in. Well, we used to live three minutes from Costco, and oh, nice. I would go to Costco for the chicken. Oh, yeah. Like, I'd just go spend $5, and I would leave with only buying the chicken. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, your ploy to get me in here and spend more money didn't work. I'm just here for your chicken. Just here for your chicken. <laughs> um, but then we get dog food and then coffee. Yeah. Those are our big. And like, eggs. We get eggs from Costco too because it's yeah. so cheaper to get eggs there than it is from. Yeah. it's real. That's where they get you. It's like, okay, if you go through these things, mm-hmm. I never buy vegetables or fruit from them though. We buy... <laughs> we buy like berries and stuff and then i'll wash everything and like prep it and put it in those cool containers that i was telling you about right you know also from costco i've 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 learned what we don't eat fast enough like what we don't eat fast enough but they have 
I don't know, like those um, Kevin's meals. We do those all the time. I don't maybe you're still, but they're okay. So they're like a packet of chicken that's already cooked and sous vide. Okay. Um, so all you have to do is just drain it and then heat it up. And then they have sauce and we put it over like rice and vegetables. It's an oh. easy, so easy. Wow. I have not tried that before. I struggle with meal preps. Sometimes. All right. Listeners, you got to share us, share with us your favorite. Um, Costco finds. Costco finds. Because I want to know. Because I feel like there, everybody has a hidden gem that yeah, no one else knows sure. about, right? Like mm-hmm. there's a thing that you always get. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Tell us. Let us know. Send us an email at morethemythspodcast at gmail.com in case you don't want anyone else to know your secret. But yeah, us. we won't tell you. We won't tell anybody. We, we won't we can tell. keep it between the three of us. <laughs> <laughs> um, my f- Another favorite thing to get there that I have a weakness for. Is there oversized Squishmallows? Oh, for because sure. Because they're like $20 and $20. they're huge. They are huge. I have, I think I have a cat from there. Yeah. And I also received as a gift a giant dinosaur that oh. I named Tyra because Tyrannosaur Queen T. I named her Queen. Queen. Was it Queen Tyra? Queen T. You know, yeah. Love it. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Yeah, yeah, I have. We have a Grogu. Oh, yeah! I saw those. Those are really cute. Yeah, we have they Grogu. We cute. have. We have so many oversized Squishmallows. Every room has I love one them. in my yeah. house. They're just. They have stuffies the bring pack. me joy. Yeah, they had the little pack, and there was like a sushi. There's my cinnamon roll that I play with all the time. Uh, the little ice cream cone. There's an avocado. <gasps> I think it's avocado toast, but it might just be an avocado. I'm not sure. Oh my anyway, god, that's so cute. So cute. Yeah. Somebody posted it. I follow a Costco account on Instagram, and somebody posted it, and I told Chris that night. I was like, "Don't take shoes off. We're going to Costco." <laughs> yeah, you get your butt back in there. Yeah. Don't think you're taking your socks off yet. We're not done being out in the world. <laughs> Truly, by the way. Is it a truly? What is it? No, it's actually a Topo Chico. Oh, I don't know what that is. Exotic pineapple. Ooh. So Topo Chico is like kind of fancy sparkling water, and then they made hard seltzers. Oh, fancy pants. Is it fancy? Yeah. I don't know. It's only 4.7% alcohol, so it seems kind of weak. Oh, see, I got you beat with my truly at a whole whopping five. Yeah, you're going to get 0.3% drunker than me. (laughs) Wow! <laughs> Watch out! Um, before we get started, you said you had a screenshot. I found Excellent. it. <laughs> it's on. Uh, it was on the Blackcraft Cult page on Instagram, mm-hmm. <laughs> and it's sorely missed Victorian slang. Okay, you ready? Forgotten Victorian slang. Ready. Yeah, sorely, sorely missed Victorian slang. Mm. And you can guess. I'm going to tell you the word, and then and then you can tell me what you think it means. Okay. So the first the first one was giggle mug. Oh, <laughs> I don't know. So like beer, giggle mug. Uh huh. It means always smiling. Oh, like a mug. Okay. Yeah, All like right. your face. Okay. You know, like look okay. at the mug on him. Yeah, which is Giggle such mug. a ridiculous slang. Slang. <laughs> Saying. Slang. Okay, the next one is 
bitch the pot. Oh, okay. So, bitch is like a female dog. <laughs> <laughs> the pot could be, you know, a lot of things. So, we're going to say dog pooping in a pot. <laughs> <laughs> that was... <laughs> I'm sorry, you have struck out again. <laughs> Good. Thank God. Uh, that one means pour the tea. Oh, nice. You need to bitch the pot. <laughs> Super. Yeah. Uh, the next one was got the morbs. <laughs> got the morbs. <laughs> like. I think morbs is like. Morbidity. Like morbid? Yeah. 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 So like. Are you feeling blue? Like, yeah, not like the temporary sadness. Yeah, yeah. Got the morbs. I've got the morbs. <laughs> <laughs> okay. This is, the next one ding, is... Ding, ding, ding. I got the, one. The next is a good one. Okay. <laughs> Tight as a boiled owl. <laughs> oh. Oh. If you Tight have too many, if you have owl. too many trulies, you're going to be as tight as a boiled owl. Like full of booze, like drunk, drunk. Yeah. All right. Tight, tight I don't a... get that one. He's as tight. Yeah. Who boils an owl? What happens to a boiled owl? Do they get drunk? I may. Yeah. I... Anyway. Okay. Next. Next uh, is <laughs> poked up. <laughs> poked up. Yep. Um. When you're being chased by an angry mob, <laughs> you're gonna get poked up. <laughs> oh my god! No, it means embarrassed. <laughs> I'm so poked. I'm so po <laughs> I'm so poked up right now. <laughs> um, the next one is sauce box. Oh. Yeah, that's got to be so. If the... I said, if I said, I'm gonna, I'm gonna slap them in the sauce box. <laughs> oh my god! Okay, like... wet vagina. Like, <laughs> it means your mouth. <laughs> but it can go anyway because nobody knows. I'm gonna yeah. slap you in the sauce box. <laughs> I mean, right? There's something yeah. that's happening there. So, yeah. I think. <laughs> okay, there's two more. <laughs> uh, the next one is Cupid's kettle drums. Cupid's kettle drums. Um, music so lovely that it makes you want to fall in love. Boobs. Oh. Yep, that. Yep. Checks out. That, that, that makes more sense. <laughs> I, think I mean, I, I enjoy your version as well, but. <laughs> All right. The very last one is not up to dick. Oh. Not up to dick. I'm assuming that this is some sort of King Richard reference and he like it wasn't good enough for royalty. Oh, that is a good guess. It means you're unwell. Oh, not up to dick. All right, fine. Yeah. 
I saw this and I was like, oh, I have to tell Corinne about this. No, that's so perfect. Thank you for taking yeah. us off to, off of our Costco rant <laughs> and bringing us this entertainment. Yeah, you're welcome. <laughs> okay, are you ready? I'm so ready. Excellent. I already told you what we're, ta- what we're talking about today because I couldn't keep it to myself. So this is a pretend surprise, Haley. Uh, we're talking about pyramids. <gasps> no. Yes. What? I, I know. Had, I had no. I had no idea. I know. <laughs> um, but we're I'm not still excited about, though. I know it <laughs> should be really fun. <laughs> but um, and it's actually honestly this one's a lot more just like of a history episode for me. So I'm kind of taking a Haley role today. Oh, I love it. You guys have to listen to me burp because truly makes me burpy. All right. So today we're going to talk about pyramids from around the world. Um, In each region, we're going to kind of look at some of them. We'll look at the time they're built and the purpose of them being built. And if you can still find them today, Um, many parts of the world we're looking at today don't have access to the areas that we're also building pyramids. Okay. So. There was one article I read that was saying that they're, you know, because if you believe in evolution, you believe everybody started in Africa and then migrated out. And so the thoughts that the ideas of pyramids were just kind of taken around the world from that point. Um, You get into some gray area in the North Americas, though, because that was, you know, a different kind of voyage and journey. Oh, yeah. So... Just, I mean, I can, I'll link the article if you want to read it and then go check it out. It's pretty interesting, but I didn't want to get too deep in the weeds with the whole scientific descriptions of, you know, yeah, where they came from. But mm-hmm. so um, we're going to see if they all have the same meanings and what the structure was used for. So first, we're going to go ahead and start with ancient Egypt, which is where... Like everybody, if you say pyramids, this is the first thing that comes in their brain. Yeah. I mean, almost everybody. I can't speak for the whole world, but I can speak for like, you know, a good portion of the world. <laughs> <laughs> That's not true either. Don't quote <laughs> me on that. <laughs> so the belief in ancient Egypt is that um, it's believed that you go to the afterlife after you die. And when you go to the afterlife, you would be able to take things that you needed or valued possessions along with you. Um, so this is even more elevated for um, kings and pharaohs in ancient Egypt because they were the highest ranking below the gods. Mm-hmm. So they were you know, able to bring many treasures along with them and they had to have tombs large enough to take all of their stuff didn't yeah i feel like i was talking to you with like didn't someone have a boat buried oh, yeah mm-hmm. the solar boat yeah it's now in that the new um museum museum yeah yeah so it's like the it just got more and more extravagant mm-hmm. okay oh sorry, sorry. <laughs> it's all right i'm gonna have to cut it anyway because i burped <laughs> this was one of the reasons our tombs were so large um, so then, so now we bring in the pyramid. Pyramids in ancient Egypt were would have started to be built as soon as the pharaoh succeeded their crown. Um, because they could take decades to build, they had to get started right away. Yeah. So like King Tutankhamun died when he was 19, he had to take somebody else's tomb because they weren't done yeah. with his, right? Yeah, right. So 
that's why they immediately start construction when you know new pharaoh is crowned um the shape of the pyramid is said to be a reflection of the sun rays making their way down to earth or down to the surface of the earth and so mm-hmm. you guys can't see my hands right now but they're going like a pyramid <laughs> shape from the sun to the to ground show you. <laughs> to show you that you can't tell um <laughs> But if you look at hieroglyphs, that you can you can kind of see that pyramid shape being um, represented mm-hmm. in hieroglyphics. Um, also, there was one that I saw that where the rays actually had hands at the bottom of them. Oh yeah, and they were holding like the icons of life, and yeah. like I don't remember that the other one was, but something that goes along with life and mm-hmm. like prosperity. I think is the other. So it's like the sun brings life yeah. to the ground right yeah. and so these pyramids are built in this shape to honor the gods as well as be a symbol of you know power and stature for the kings um and you know hopefully get them into the afterlife you know yeah why not oh and yeah so it was a hope that the pharaoh would climb to the afterlife so it's this like raised you know element yeah i think i think that in some pyramids there was like a like a hole like a tunnel that would go up to like let them out oh i might be lying about that but i feel like i remember reading or seeing that somewhere we might need to check that yeah just cut it out (laughs) no we'll check it mistakes oh sip sip (laughs) i really just want to say So another thought is that they were meant to be monuments to Ra, the sun god, and the creator of all life. So that's, I think it's probably a good mesh of the two. Like, Mm -hmm. hey, this is my tomb, but this is also a gift for the god of life. So hoping to welcome me happily into the afterlife. Pyramids in ancient Egypt were meant to symbolize power of the pharaohs who buried them as well which I think I kind of already said. So let's talk about the actual pyramids that we're going to talk about today. Believe it or not, we're, do- we're not talking about the great pyramids in Giza because Mm-mm. we're going back before the pyramids of Giza. Um, and we're going to talk about King Snefaru. Um, he was a pharaoh in the fourth dynasty, so about 2575 to 2465. Um, he's 90. Is that right? Is that math right? Yeah. You're asking me to do math? No. <laughs> 75 minus 65 is 10. Right? Sure. So sure. 100 minus 10 is 90. Yeah. I mean, I guess that these are approximate dates. So still <laughs> a long time. A long time. Um, so he's actually attributed for commissioning the first larger scale pyramids. Okay. So... Not every pharaoh before him had grandiose 300 mm-hmm. foot tall pyramids, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. They were a lot smaller scale, and yeah. you would be buried like with one and then some smaller ones for other families. I think I might be getting no, I think I'm confusing it with someone else. <laughs> Ignore that, <laughs> anyways. Um, so his first pyramid was called Medium, um, and it was 
uh, built as a traditional step pyramid. And then they added limestone to create the true pyramid shape. So okay. step pyramids were a little bit more like slant, like up and down, more triangular, really. Oh, yeah, okay. Um, and so what they did is they built it out and added limestone to it to make it our kind of traditional pyramid, which is the steeper, like, 43-degree ankle. Yeah. Um, and he was trying to kind of go for this, like, really particular look. Mm -hmm. um, they're not sure when it happened, but at some point that structure crumbled. Oh. And so then the original step pyramid was is all that's left today. Oh, okay. So it wasn't it it didn't work. It wasn't quite right. Yeah. And then we get to the red pyramid and the bent pyramid. And these are much less famous than the ones found in Giza, but they're some of the first attempts at the pyramid with the straight side. So the bent pyramid comes next after the pyramid of medium. And it gets its name because it actually like about halfway up, it has like kind of curved edges. Mm -hmm. And then the top 50% is all what we would consider a standard pyramid shape. So it's got okay. the 43 degree angle. Interesting. And so, but it like, it goes out and then it curves yeah. down. Like it, it's like not quite finished on the sides. Gotcha. Right. Except yeah. that that's how it was built. So it looks wonky. Yeah. And that wasn't going to be good enough for King Snafaru. And so he decided to live longer, I guess. <laughs> Fix it. That's it's just gotta, it's gotta be right. My own take. Um <laughs> so he was not pleased with the look uh, and the construction on the red pyramid began. Um, and they followed what they did with the last half of the bent pyramid and followed the 43 degree angle. There's you, so much pyramid shape happening with my arms. There's so much pyramid shape happening. <laughs> I'm curious. Do you do you, did you see in when you were reading about this if there were different builders? Like the first builder didn't build the second one, or was the, the same person? Like that first person got like got in trouble. Everything that I read honestly credited the pharaoh. Oh, so okay. I know that that's sure. Okay, you didn't. No, probably, probably, probably not. No, <laughs> I don't know if he designed it though. I don't know. Maybe if he was really. I, I don't sure. know. Yeah. Um, but they got it about halfway through the bent pyramid. Yeah. They figured it out. So yeah. then he's like, "Okay, well, now take this. Yeah, do the same size, but all of that. You right. Know, yeah. A fully elongated straight mm -hmm. sides pyramid. Yeah. Um." And so the Red Pyramid was finished, and it was the first ever true straight-sided pyramid That's cool. Um, in Egypt. So the Red Pyramid was built around, this is 2575 to 21, or 2551. That's when he's said to kind of take reign, so we know it's sure. probably not 2575 and maybe closer, but... These were from two different sources, so that's gotcha. all kind of general. Yeah, it's all general. Yeah, we, I don't know. I don't know where to be able to like pinpoint it exactly. I don't know either. Um, but the size of the bent or the bent and the red pyramid—they were the same size. So he's like, "This is the this is the scale I'm going for." Just yeah, do it right. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Straight sides, not curved. Three hundred and forty-four feet. So that's oh. about thirty-four stories high, <gasps> which. Little did you know. Did you know 10 feet is a story? 
I didn't know that. I didn't either until this episode. So what? you're welcome. Thank you. So you, if someone's like, oh, it's 500 feet, you're like, oh my God, it's 50 stories. Yeah. Math. Yep. Easy math. Easy math. <laughs> so <laughs> cool. Didn't know that. Nope. Now you do. Um, so these were also built out of limestone and they would have been hauled from a quarry and then built at the site, of course. Um, in the documentary series I was watching about this, they would use wet clay and wet sand to slide the blocks a long distance. Um, and they would also be on sleds. Yeah. Okay. Um, I did look up. The wheel was technically invented, but it was not some a tool that was being used, used. Sure. to move the blocks. It was all wood sleds and water was wow. the biggest like contributor to like being able to move it. And they were all hauled by man. There were no animals used in the construction. They didn't even use like cattle, like not oxen? from what I read. Holy. F- Wow. Curious friends, if you know more than I do, wow. let me know because th- that's just what I found. That's crazy. So after this red pyramid is built, Snefaru's successors, so the ones who took the throne after him, um, were the ones who actually continued on to build the Great Pyramids of Giza. Go big and go home. You can quote me on that. I have to add that to our thing. Sticker collection. <laughs> yep. Um, okay, so now we're going to travel just a little bit further south to Nubia. Okay. Um, so this is actually a region. It's now, when you look at a map, it's like the bottom of Egypt, the top of Sudan. Okay. So just to give a little bit of like location. Yeah. Um. But it's still along the River Nile. Um, and that we're going to look at the great kingdom of Kush. Um, the belief here was that the pyramids were built in this area and were used for tombs of kings and queens and sometimes nobility. Kush was an ancient African kingdom located in Nubia, and it is home over to two it is home to over here we go. 225 pyramids built across four royal fields in Nubia. Wow. Um, These pyramids differ from the Egyptian ones because they were designed differently. Yeah. Um, And they were actually carved, they carved steps into them. Oh, okay. Yeah. So instead of using the the bricks or the blocks as Mm -hmm. steps, they were like more purposefully and artfully carved. Okay. So Located out in the desert sands of Meroe, I think that's how it said, um, there are about 50 ancient pyramids that were built 800 years after the Egyptians stopped building pyramids. Whoa. So there's okay. definitely like a pull of inspiration, I'm sure. sure. Yeah. But then they started doing kind of their own thing. Own thing. Yeah. Um, these are called the Forgotten Nubian Pyramids. Um, they are, as I said earlier, burial sites for kings and queens. Yeah. And between about 1800 and 1870, an explorer named Giuseppe, Giuseppe. Um, Forlini, actually, and we don't like this Giuseppe because he's kind of a dick. Oh. Um, he busted the tops of 40 pyramids off oh. in search for treasure. So when you look at pictures of, like, if you look up Forgotten Nubian Pyramids, mm-hmm. you'll see some that have been reconstructed to kind of show. Oh, okay. And, like, 
refurbished yeah, essentially right. or rent. What's this? What's the word? Reconstructed. Restored. Oh, restored. restored. Okay. Um, but then you like look around the fields and you can see like it's like the top thirty percent. Oh. Of the pyramids. Like he did not just go and like peek inside. He fucking wrecked them. What a dick. Yeah. So anyway, Giuseppe. Giuseppe. Um, <laughs> many had already been plundered though. And they're actually now making efforts, like I said, to restore the tombs from human damage and weather. Yeah. Um, so you can actually – you can still visit them. And when you go out – I was reading on, like, a travel blog that if you go out there, there's nothing out there. There's oh. no – like, it's not a tourist attraction. So it is just you in the sand and desert with these, like, ancient tombs. That would be kind of cool. So cool. Sign me up. I'll go. But also, like, at 4 a.m. And then get me the <laughs> hell out of there because yeah. I don't want to be in no desert. No. Ever. It's no, too hot. Yeah. No. So these were a lot smaller. They ranged from about 20 to 90 feet. Oh, um, okay. The Great Pyramid is 756 feet. How many Holy stories? Shit. A lot. Don't ask 75 me stories. 75 stories. Come on. Wait, ask me again. How many stories? 75. There we go. Thanks. <laughs> Um, so yeah, but they're like, if you look at, but their community in Sudan is trying to really bring back that luster and trying mm -hmm. to restore them. Anything that was left, I believe has like, you can find in museums in that area. Oh, sure. Yeah. <clears throat> I think I pulled from something else when I said that. I don't know if it's true. We'll find out. <laughs> um, now we're going to move actually over to India and Shikara is Sanskrit word for mountain peak. And okay. Shikara is actually a religious structure. Um, and they're meant to be a holy place. Upon entering, you're considered to be located in a holy place to sure. worship various gods. And these are built for Hindu religion and also for Buddhists. Okay. So the one that we're going to talk about today is actually a Buddhist temple. And it's called the Mahabodhi temple and it was built in around 250 bce okay um and it's a step pyramid with a stupa on top um and stupa means like it represents that it's a religious monument okay um and it has many inscriptions columns cravings it's cravings <laughs> i definitely wrote carvings <laughs> carvings um that have been restored and some of the originals are actually in museums. So this whole structure, if you look up pictures of the Mahabodhi temple, it's mostly been restored. Gotcha. And so a lot of the original, like, columns and architecture were mm -hmm. salvaged. And, like, you can find them in museums. But they they went after – I think there's a photo of it. I think it's on Wikipedia. But there's a photo of it in, like, the 1800s where they had like found it mm -hmm. and before they had restored it gotcha. and you could see it was kind of crumbling in and whatnot. Yeah. And th then they went and like restored it. And now it's something, a place you can still visit and like go to worship cool. to this day. So it's kind of amazing actually. Yeah. Uh -huh. Cause it's not just a ruin. No. Even though it definitely should just be a ruin. Yeah. 
Um, and then, yeah, so that's the Mahabodhi Temple. And then now we're going to go over to Cambodia. Um, and we're going to talk about a praying. Praying is a religious term for monuments. Okay. Um, and in Kokur, Cambodia, there was one built in about 940 BCE and is 118 feet tall. So about 11 stories. <laughs> 12, maybe. Um, so this area is home to over 100 temples, and most are still standing. Um, and like the ones in India, they're used as a place for worship for usually Hindu or Buddhist gods, and they, it's a holy place. Mm -hmm. um, generally, these structures have a standard base, and each tier of the roof gets a bit smaller as they go up and have many intricate and detailed carvings and sculptures. Um, the one in Koher, however, is a bit more of a standard pyramid style. Okay. So it looks a little bit more like a tiered cake gotcha. than, okay. than like if you think of a Thai temple or, yeah. a, you know, mm -hmm. with the kind of stacked roofing, mm -hmm. this is more pyramid than that. Okay. Um, so the Prang Temple had some sculptures, but most of them have been looted over the years and the remaining ones have been moved to museums. This pyramid is seven tiers and actually has steps up the middle. So really something oh. that would reflect like Maya pyramids or sure. something you'd see in Mesoamerica. Sure. Yeah, okay. Um, and I was ahead of myself, so it's not likely <laughs> for prangs in this area. Um, the article I read speculated on a few reasons of why this structure is different. Okay. And one of them is being to represent a throne for a king. Or possibly a burial, or possibly even gates to the underworld. Oh. I, I don't know. Okay. I don't know. <laughs> um, And the last set of pyramids we're going to talk about are the ones in actually Mesoamerica. So we're, today we're going to be talking about like Aztec ruins. Yeah. Um, And Teotihuacan is an ancient city that was ruled over by Montezuma. Montezuma. There we go. Um, And this city was thriving. Mm -hmm. And it had many pyramid structures. I mean, you think about like ancient Aztec cities, that's yeah. the first thing that comes to mind is their pyramid structures. Mm -hmm. um, and each were built for different purposes. Um, the Pyramid of the Moon is thought to be a place where they allowed many people to view sacrifices. Um, and sacrifices were also a form of like a political show or stance. Mm -hmm. So it was like a power structure. Yeah. So sacrifice would be someone tied to the top of – on a table at the top of the pyramid, mm -hmm. and then, you know, priests would sacrifice them publicly. And the kind of the point of the pyramid is that you can have a mass crowd below. Yeah. And have everybody be able to see the same thing happening. Above. Everybody can see. Yeah. So – Yeah. Yeah. They would usually have their hearts cut out or limbs. Yeah. Violence. Not great. All in the name of worship. Yeah. You know? Mm-hmm. You know? Oh. All right. Um, the only one that was used to bury a king in a city. Oh, sorry. There was only one that they know of so far that was used to bury a king in the city. And the rest were places of worship or sacrifice. Okay. Um, his tomb was actually found in the 1950s. They accidentally found a staircase leading to a tomb, Whoa. which 1950s, as far as discovery goes, like 
I feel like the 1920s and 1930s were the kind of booming yeah. discovery moments in mm-hmm. history. And yeah. to like know of this location and then find it kind of late in the game. Yeah. I mean, still, when we discover things today, it's amazing. Yeah. So I don't know. I just kind of thought the 1950s was a cool time to find yeah. it. And that's the only one that they know of that was used for a king. In Teotihuacan. So oh, gotcha. Okay. Okay. In this city. Still, so I, it's probably practiced more. F- more yeah. But, um, but yeah, so when they, it's literally just a stairs down. And this was also in that documentary I was watching. And she was like, this makes the ancient Egypt's tomb look tiny. You know, like. The what? spaces are really, really tight when you go sure. into the pyramids. And yeah. this was like this was like a great like kind of a hallway. I mean, they were wow. able to stand in them. Whoa. And I'm like, oh, I might actually be able to go into that tomb because I definitely couldn't do the ones in Egypt. Are you claustrophobic? Oh. So much. It gives yes. me stress to watch it. Really? Yeah. I, I can't have a blanket. So many new things about you. I can't today. have a blanket over my mouth. <laughs> like I can't okay. sleep with a blanket over my head. Okay. That's how claustrophobic I am. So when I watched The Descent. Oh, my God. Yeah, I bet that, that was I think that was the nail in an, the coffin, actually. I think that was like. An uncomfortable nope, night. She is claustrophobic for sure. Let me just validate that for everybody. Yeah. yeah so anyway, this is roomy going down. You could go and, in there maybe. You go down the staircase, walk a little bit further from what I saw on the documentary, and his tomb is just at the bottom, and it's this really beautiful sarcophagus with all these um, Aztec inscriptions on it, and Mm -hmm. it's like kind of his symbolism of going to the underworld and then making his way to the sun, so on his way to the afterlife, which is really, you know, kind of reminiscent of what we see in ancient Egyptian um ideas as yeah. well um so pyramids so far in my research serve seem to serve as either a religious purpose a place of death or a place of worship yeah and that seems to be the pretty consistent um findings that i've Time had together yeah so stay tuned for another episode in the future where we dive into these even more because we didn't even begin to touch the pyramid structures around the world at this Mm-mm. point so i will do a part two eventually yeah yeah nice i loved it there you go Anyway. All right. You ready? I'm ready. This is the end. The we've end. Reached, we've reached the end. Not the end end, but this is as far as I'm going to go because the rest of the story is kind of um, ancestry. It's still interesting, but it's not what I really wanted to get into. Yeah. Um, it's more about like different societies meeting different societies and takeovers and negotiations and that kind of stuff so got it yeah i didn't want to really get too much into that but i do want to get at least up to when man is created yeah and we've arrived we've arrived a little bit more 
Yep. We're going to talk about, um, we're going to talk about the hero Hero twins. Twins. Yeah. Actually going down into Shibulba. So when we left them, they were playing ball. They had found their father's ball gear and they had gone to honor and respect and had cleaned the court up and who should hear them, but the Lords of Shibulba. Yeah. Immediately furious that there's so much racket. And they say, someone has begun to play again over our heads. Have they no shame? Stomping around? Go and summon them. Tell them they must come and we will play ball with them. In seven days, we will play. So instead of going to the ball court, they go to the home of Shmukane. And they give her this message and she begins to weep because she knows what's happened to her sons. She doesn't want that to happen to her grandsons. And a louse falls on her. And she instructs the louse to go to the ball court and tell the boys about being summoned to Shibulba. So the louse leaves and on his way, who should he run into but a toad named Tamazul. Okay. And the Tamazul asks him, where are you going? And he tells him. And the toad's like, you're not getting there very fast. Let me swallow you and we'll get there way faster. So the louse is licked up by Tamazul and he's hopping along and Tamazul meets a great snake called White Life. Same thing happens. White Life asks him, where are you going? And Tamazul replies, I am a messenger with a message in my belly. The snake tells him, you're not going very fast. I'll swallow you and we'll get there a lot faster. Wow. Tamazul's like, solid plan. (laughs) Super. (laughs) So White Life swallows him. And to this day, snakes still eat toads. Hmm. So White Life is slithering along as fast as he can. And he's met with a falcon. Same thing happens. The falcon needs the snake. To this day, falcons still eat snakes in the mountains. Okay. So when the falcon finally arrives at the ball court, the boys waste no time and they hit him with their blowguns. And they demand to know why he's come to their ball court. The falcon's like, hey, I have a message for you, but first you need to heal me. And so the boys are like, oh, fine. So they slice a piece of rubber from their ball that they're playing with. Yeah. And they put it on his wound and it heals him all right and they're like tell us the message so the falcon vomits the snake which vomits the toad but the toad can't puke up the louse like he's trying and trying and so the boys actually squish his rear end so you know how toads have frogs and toads have like funny back legs yeah that's the reason why is because the boys squish their back legs because they're trying to help him like puke up this louse Uh and so they open his mouth up and it's stuck in his teeth oh no so they pick it out and the louse finally delivers the message and says the lords of shibulba have come and you need to come home because you have to be there in seven days so they return home and they tell their grandmother that they are going to leave an ear of unripe maize in the center of the house If it dries up, it means they've died. When it comes back to life, it means that they've also come back to life. So it's an easy way for her to know if they've lived or died. Right. Can't text. Nope. Can't text. Can't call. This is the easiest way. Corn. Corn. (laughs) Yep. So Hunapu and Shibalanke leave and they travel to the underworld. So they pass through the canyons. They come to Pasum Blood River, which they just pass over floating on their blowguns. And then they come to the crossroads 
and they send Mosquito on ahead. And he's instructed to bite each of the lords. And if he does this job well, he'll be allowed to bite people and suck their blood while they're on the road. <laughs> so Mosquito, which isn't actually a mosquito, but it was a hair that was plucked from the front of Hunapu's knee, but it turned into a mosquito. Huh. Uh, this mosquito gets to the court of the Lords of Shibulba, and it goes around the circle and it bites all of them so that Hunapu and Shibulanke will know where each lord is seated and which ones are the wooden effigies. Right. It's very, very smart. Yeah, they're, they're a step like, ahead. They're not making the same mistakes. No. Uh-uh. So Hunapu and Shibulanke arrive, and they're told by someone um, that they're just instructed to greet the lords of the underworld. And they reply, those aren't lords. Those are just carved dolls. So then they turn and they go around the circle and they name every single one. Like, good morning, one death. Good morning, seven death. Good morning, bloody claw. All the way around the circle. And they, as their names are called, they all appear. <gasps> First trick passed. Yep. Love it. Yeah. So the lords ask. They're annoyed. They're like, why don't you just have a seat? They're like, No. We know that that's a hot stone. We're not going to sit down. No, thank you. Ooh. Even more annoyed. They're like, fine. Go into this house and a courier is going to come and bring you a torch and a cigar yep. for the night. So it was a little bit confusing because the story says that the messenger brings them an already burning torch and cigars and tells them the same thing, that they have to give them back in the morning. They can't be used. But the story says that they don't light the torch. But it was already burning. So I'm going to say that maybe they just put it out. I'm really not sure. Okay. Um, they use the red tail the red tail feathers of a macaw to substitute the flame. And they capture fireflies. And they put it on the tips of the cigars to mimic it being lit. Because they're being watched. And so it looks like to the guards that their torch is lit. And they're smoking their cigars. Right. So the next morning, when the courier comes, they give them back unburnt torches and unburnt cigars. And they're all looking at each other and they're like, who are these boys? Who are their parents? Right. It's not good what they're doing. Right. They're, so they're passing all the trials. They're, yeah, they're passing all these tests. Like, how do they know? Yeah. You know? <laughs> yeah. It's like so, maybe, you know. The secret's out. <laughs> one Hunapu. Is it one Hunapu? Is one that Hunapu their dad? Seven Hunapu. Yep. Yeah, one Hunapu's their dad. And Lady Blood. Maybe Lady Blood told them. Right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. I bet if it's, they had seven days to prepare. Yeah. And her mom, really their mom's still living there. She told them all the things. For sure. Well, she's from here. Right. So she, she knows. She able to tell them all of the secrets and easily help Help, help them prepare son. for this mm -hmm. for sure yeah so the next morning after they've handed off their torches and the cigars they decide to play ball that's what they're here for yep and they get into an argument the twins and the lords of shibulba get into an argument about whose ball to use and they finally come to an agreement that they'll use the shibulbin's ball and the ball is thrown into play but as it play starts white dagger comes out and it's yeah. got all these bone shards and stuff sticking out of it and the boys are like what is that you just want us to die didn't we come all this way answering your summons have pity on us you know what we'll just go 
And the lords are like, no, no, no. We don't want you to die. We just want to play. So they decide that they'll play with the boys ball and not not white dagger. Good. So they're talking before they start playing again. And the Shabobans are like, well, what are what's going to be the prize for who wins? And they decide that whoever wins will get four bowls of flowers. One white, one yellow, one red, and a bowl of large petals. Okay. They play and the boys lose. And the Shabobans are cheering and they're really excited. And they tell the boys that in the morning they they'll collect their prize of flowers. So that night they are on to the second trial of Shabulba, which is the House of Blades. And it's just a house full of swinging blades. So they go inside and they should have died quickly. But instead, they get inside and they talk to the blades and they tell them that they can have all of the flesh of the animals. And the blades point their tips to the floor and they just stop moving. Nice. So that night, they call out to the ants. And they ask them to get the flower blossoms from the garden as the prizes for the lords. So the ants go into the garden of one and seven death. And they're being guarded by two birds. But they don't know the flowers. They don't notice the flowers being chewed on and stolen. And their tail feathers and their wings are also being munched on as well. And they don't notice that either. So the next morning, the boys are able to present the Lords of Shabobo with the flowers. And they're not. They're impressed, but they're not impressed. (laughs) And they call the birds the guardians of this garden. And the birds were like, we've suffered for it. Like, our tails are all chewed up. And so they're punished. And to this day, the mouth of the whippoorwill opens really wide. And they also have Mm -hmm. really short wings and really short tail feathers. Nice. Lots of explanations of why animals are the way they are. Love it. So, well, because there's no men yet, right? There's no humans yet. It's only nope. animals it's and only gods. Animals and gods, and yep, right. Yeah, man hasn't been created yet. Yep. So they play another round of ball, and this time it's actually a draw. Uh, and they agree to play again in the morning, and this time they're on to the house of cold. So they enter the house of cold to spend the night, and the boys cause the cold to just dissipate. And they're fine because they're expecting them to wake up and they're to be frozen to death. And um, the messengers come to get them, but they're murmuring. They're kind of like talking behind their hands to each other. And they're like, what is this? Why haven't they died? And the boys then go into Jaguar house, which is full of jaguars. Full of jaguars. Yep. Just lounging around. And they give them bones to munch on. And outside, the watchmen, the guards, can hear the jaguars crunching these bones. And they're all excited, like high-fiving each other, like, yeah, they did it. They're defeated. (laughs) In the morning, they open the door, expecting to find their bones. And Hunapu and Shibalanke sit up, and they're rubbing their eyes. And they're like, oh, good morning. Nice to see you. Snuggling some jaguars. Snuggling some jaguars. Petting their bellies. Yep, giving them some snuggles. Yeah, and the Shabobans are like, what kind of people are these? Where did they come from? Yeah. 
So next, the boys go into the house of fire. It's just a house on fire. Cool. And they should have been roasted and mm -hmm. set on fire. But when the dawn comes, they're just fine. Next, they go into bat house. Oh, my favorite. They're death bats. They have snouts like blades that they use as murder weapons. <laughs> oh, jeez. Yeah. Maybe not. Yeah. yeah, it says they were great beasts with snouts like blades that they use as murderous weapons. Wow. Okay. Yeah. Yep. So the boys actually shrink down little teeny tiny and they hide inside their blowguns. Oh. Easy right. enough. Yep. And so Shibalanke calls out and he's like, hey, Hunapu, do you see the dawn yet? And Hunapu replies, it's like, hey, I don't, but let me see. Let me, like, stick my head out. So he sticks his head out and his head's chopped off by a death bat. <gasps> no! Shibalanke doesn't hear this and he's calling out to him and he's like, Hunapu. Hunapu? And he doesn't answer. No! Yeah. So one in seven death come. And they take Hunapu's head and they place it on top of the ball court. So Shibalanke calls to all the animals. And he's like, bring me your food. Bring me everything that you have. And so some of them bring him like leaves and some of them brought back stones and like rotten things. But the last one to arrive is the Cody. And it's bringing a squash. A chilla coyote squash. Okay. Well, I don't know if I'm pronouncing that right. Um, but... They're going to use this to substitute as Hunapu's head. So in the night, down down from the sky comes Heart of Sky, as well as other sages. And they're all working to transform the squash into the head of Hunapu. But when dawn arrives, they're not done. Like it's only it's only his skin. And it doesn't, it doesn't have it can't speak or anything yet. And so um so they're not ready. So Shpiakok is told to darken the sky again with soot. So he does this four times. So four days go by, but it's just like one long night, I think. They're just tricking everybody. They're just tricking everybody. Yep. So they can finish this squash head. So on the fifth day, they're done. And Squash Hunapu asks, is it not good? Like, I can just imagine, like, <laughs> it's a little squash bit eerie. Hunapu. <laughs> squash Hunapu. <laughs> And everyone responds, oh, yeah, it's good. It's good. <laughs> it's good. You look great, man. <laughs> so they tell Hunapu, like, don't play ball. Just go out there and look really threatening and menacing. Um, and Shibalanke goes to the rabbit and he's like, I'm going to get the rubber ball into your tomato patch and you lead them on this merry chase around the court. Okay. So during the ball game, Shibalanke is able to get the ball into the tomato patch and a chase ensues. And Shibalanke is able to receive his to retrieve his brother's head and it is magically reattached. Oh, no longer and the boys a squash. end up winning the ball game because the squash that they think is his head gets hit and it explodes everywhere. And they're like, "What is this?" Yeah, it's Anyway, um, <laughs> so the boys end up winning the ball game. Wow. Okay. So that night, the boys actually summon two seers, and their names are Descended and Ascended. And okay. they tell them, hey, the Shabulbans are probably going to come to you, and they're going to ask you about our death. 
they're probably talking about it right now, and we're pretty sure that we're going to die by heated stones. So you should suggest this when they come to you. Um, they're going to ask you if they should put our bones in a canyon. Tell them that's a terrible idea. Don't do that because we're just going to, we'll just come right back to life. They'll probably ask you next about hanging our bones in a tree. Tell them that's a terrible idea too because they'll see us all the time. Our bones will rattle and we'll always be there. Okay. Then they'll ask if you should, if they should scatter our bones in the river. And to this, you should say, yes, let's grind them up separately and then we'll scatter them along the river. So the messengers of one and seven death come the owls and tell them to come and see what they've cooked up for them. And they actually use that. Like, it's really interesting reading all of this because they love a good play on words. There's a okay. lot of it in here. Okay. <clears throat> they are actually pretty funny. <laughs> like, there's there's really subtle jokes and stuff. Yeah. But, yeah. Anyway. um, So they're not only telling them that they're going to settle this once and for all, but they're also hinting at how they're going to kill them. So they take them out to this pit. And they're like, no, no, this isn't a fiery pit of death. It's an underground vat that we use to make booze. And we're just going to play this game. We like to jump over it, uh. like back and forth. And it's going to be fine. It's not, it's not what it looks like. It's fine. No, never. Some boys turn to them and they say, you cannot trick us. Do we not already know the means of our death? They turn and face each other, spread their arms out. And together they fall into the pit oven <gasps> and they die. Yeah. <laughs> the Shibulbans go crazy because they've defeated them. They've won. No. So they summoned, descended, and ascended. And they discuss what to do with the bones. And just as planned, they're ground up and they're scattered along the river. But the bones don't go very far. Uh, and on the fifth day, the Shibulbans see them as fish people, but I think that's a catfish. I've seen it depicted and heard in other things that it was a catfish. Okay. Um, but they see them swimming in the river and they're searching the river, but they can't find these catfish boys. They can't find them. So on the sixth day, two orphans show up and they're dressed in rags and they look kind of different. Um, and they start dancing. And they perform the dance of the whippoorwill and the dance of the weasel. <laughs> then they move on to more. <laughs> they move on to different pieces. <laughs> the dance of the armadillo and the centipede. Okay. So they, they dance play our classic. Hunapu spider monkey? I would hope so. Dancing <laughs> that with so. the armadillo. <laughs> <laughs> so after they've danced all these dances, right? They move on to some really serious stuff. They set a house on fire, and then they restore it. They sacrifice themselves because burning a house down really is not enough. Yeah. <laughs> so one would die, and the other would revive him and back and forth. So eventually, news of these <laughs> of these house-burning, non-dying boys <laughs> reach the ears of one death and seven death. And they say, is it true that they're dancing and all that they do is beautiful? So they summon the boys. Like, hey, come and prepare perform for us so the boys are whining and complaining like we don't want to go like we're just poor and we're hungry eventually they go under threat of misfortune and pain if they don't go right and they end up in the court 
of the Lords of Shibulba. The Lords are all talking over each other because they're really excited and they're saying, first do that one little dance that you do when you sacrifice yourself and then, and then burn my house down. So the boys dance not only the weasel, but also the whippoorwill and the armadillo. <laughs> Just telling you what the story says. All three. Okay. Yep. All three dances. It's not a dance without it. Come on. Right. One of the lords calls out, sacrifice my dog and then revive him again. So the boys sacrifice the dog and bring him back to life, to which the dog was immensely happy about. One death calls out, burn my house down. And the boys kind of look at each other because that's where they are. Right. <laughs> so they're like, all right. So they set the house on fire and it's burning around everybody, but nobody gets hurt and it's magically restored. Now the lords call out for the boys to kill a person, sacrifice him, but not so that he really dies. So they grab some random guy out of the crowd and they sacrifice him and they immediately bring him back to life, much to his pleasure. Then the lords call out for the boys to sacrifice themselves. Hunapu is sacrificed by Shibulanke. He cuts off his arms and legs, as well as his head. And they're all drunk at the sight of all of this death and blood and carnage. And Shibulanke just keep dancing. And he yells out, Arise! And immediately, Hunapu parts come back together. And he's brought back to life. And he's dancing around. And they're all dancing. Like, all of them are dancing around in this kind of craze. And it's like the craziest rave you've ever been to. <laughs> and <laughs> nice. And one in seven death shout out, do it to us. Sacrifice us. Sacrifice us like you just did. <laughs> and they're like, very well. Surely you will be sacrificed. Are you not death? We are here to please you. So yes, we'll sacrifice you. So one death being the highest ranking in the room is sacrifice first. And they look around the room and they don't bring one death back to life, back to death, because he is death. They don't bring him back. Then they grab seven death and they're like, it's fine. It's fine. We're going to bring you back together. No problem. Don't worry about it. They lay him down and they sacrifice him and they don't bring him back either. Nope. And the Shabolbans at this point are like, what the fuck are you doing? Why aren't you bringing them back to life? and chaos they start freaking out and they run out of the room and into a canyon and they've packed themselves into this ravine and they're so freaked out that they've like piled themselves on top of <gasps> each other and the boys go out to them and they're just standing there and they reveal who they are and they yell out here are names we shall now declare them we shall also declare the names of our fathers to you. We are they whose names are Hunapu and Shibalanke. Our fathers are they who you killed, one Hunapu and seven Hunapu. We are the avengers of the misfortune and affliction of our fathers. For this reason, we have endured all of the tribulations that you have caused us. Thus, we shall now destroy you. We will kill you, for none among you shall be saved." <sighs> the Shibobans are begging for mercy. No, please don't kill us. We're really sorry about all of the nasty tricks we tried to play on you. Backtrack city. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and the boys reply, very well. We will not kill you, but never again will you or your posterity be great. Your offerings will never be great. And this is how Hunapu and Shibalanke defeated the entirety of the court of the underworld. Amazing. 
So they can't leave their father there, right? They can't leave their father and their uncle because they're buried at Crushing Ball Court. Mm-hmm. So they go over to the ball court and they just need him. They find him in the tree and they're telling him, like, we just need you to speak out the parts of your face, his mouth, his nose, and his eyes. But the only thing he's able to say is mouth and they can't get anything outside of him. So they tell him, here you will be called upon. The child who is born in the light and the son who is begotten in the light shall go out to you first. They shall worship you first. Your name shall not be gotten. Your name shall not be forgotten. <laughs> We're just the avengers of your death and your loss for the affliction and the misfortune that was done to you. Then they rose straight into the sky and one of them arose as the sun and the other rose as the moon. And the companions that was the 400 boys become the Pallades. <gasps> so now we have light in the sky. We have a sun and a moon. And finally, the earth is ready for the creation of humanity. <gasps> I know. Okay. So the dad, or like dad is the sun, the brother is the moon. Is nope. that, or the hero? I think it's, the hero twins are the sun okay. and the moon. Okay. Yeah. I'm pretty sure that. Um, uh, one Hunapu just stays at Crushing Ball Court mm-hmm. because they can't move him. I think gotcha. because he's part of the Calabash tree. Gotcha. Okay. I'm guessing. That's a guess. That's a guess. I'm not really sure. Yeah. So together, we're going to go back, way back. Um. So together, said she who has born children, who is Shmukane, and he <laughs> has begotten sons, Shbiakok. The framer and the shaper together, the and Sovereign and Quetzal Serpent, and they say... It's going to be dawn soon, and our work is not successfully completed. Humanity has yet to appear to populate the face of the earth. So they join their thoughts in the darkness, and they search for answers, and they're thinking, and they're pondering, and they're like, what are we going to do? And they discover what would become the flesh of humanity at a place called Paxil and Kayala. There are four animals that would get their food there. So the fox and the coyote, the parakeet, and the raven. And each is symbolic because both the fox and the coyote are cunning nocturnal animals and the Kiche people associate those with discovery and digging up hidden or secret things. Mm-hmm. Um, the bright color of the parakeet could be connected with the blue sky of day as well as the green color that you get from growing corn. The raven represents the darkness of night and the interior of the earth where the seed is planted and first begins to grow. So using the spirit essence of the framer and the shaper, she who has born children and he who has begotten sons, sovereign and Quetzal serpent, they make the first four men out of ground yellow and white maize with a little water mixed in for blood. Wow. So the first person to arise, his name is Balam, Balam Kitze. The second is Balam Akab. The third is Mahakuta. And the fourth is Aquito Balam. So they look like people. They're able to speak. They're looking around and they're listening. They can use their hands. They can see perfectly. And when I say they can see perfectly, it's like they're they have knowledge of everything. Okay. They can see everywhere, everything all at once. And the framer, the framer and the shaper approach, approach the first men and they ask them, "What is the nature of your existence? Do you not look and listen? Look around at all the things around you." And the men look around and they fall on their knees and they're thanking the framer and the shaper for creating them. But the framer and the shaper realize that they did too good of a job and their knowledge is too perfect. So they're like, ooh, they're like gods. That's not going to work. 
So she, she who has born children and he who has begotten sons takes some of that knowledge back from them so that their vision only reaches a normal distance around them okay. and a lot of their knowledge is lost so that they're not like gods. Right. To distract them further, they make. They make what? Hold on. They make their wives. There we go. Yeah. Okay. So they make their wives. Um, and the first woman that they make, her name is Kahapaluna, which means sky sea house. And she's married to Balam Kitze. Uh, Chomia, which means shrimp house, marries Balam Akab. Um, Tsunia, Tsun Unia which means hummingbird house, marries Mahakuda. And, oh, oh boy, I'm so sorry. Kakwiks. Kakwiks. Aha. C-A-Q-U-I-X-A-H-A. All right. <laughs> that X in there is that X. throwing me. But her name means Makah house, and she marries Akibalam. And together... These are the ones that create the four nations. Ooh. And this is the foundation of the Kiche people. And <sighs> the end of our story. Oh, yeah. So I that, loved it. That is the Popol Vuh. That's as far as we're going to go. Oh, but, that's amazing. Yeah, it's really good. I love the whole story. It's so good. Like all of the trickery and like coming back from the dead and like avenging their fathers and oh it has a little bit of, of everything it. it has some love and some adventure and some trickery and yeah well-rounded story oh, i loved it so much okay so did you read the Vu? you read the whole thing or did you read notes out of it or i read the whole thing wow yeah it's really good um the the if you want to read it like that translation that i used bless you <laughs> thanks i tried to be in time the, <laughs> the translation that i use has a lot of really good um like insights and he uses notes from other translations that other guys have done okay um, so like some people say this some people say this and he's like i think it's this way because of this right okay yeah cool Awesome. Well, thank you guys for being here today and hearing Haley's final tales of the Popol Vuh, which I hope you guys enjoyed it as much as I did because I love hearing about new stories that are not, you know, not here, hurt here. Oh, Jesus Christ. <laughs> not hurt every, every day. Right. <laughs> um, remember, and pyramids. Is, oh, go ahead. No, and pyramids. Oh, and pyramids. Yeah. Uh, remember, right. it was interesting. <laughs> Uh, if you love us, check us out on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, and TikTok. We share content on our episodes as well as photos. You'll get to see all these pyramids and I'm sure artwork from the Maya people. Uh, if you need to get a hold of us, say hey. Send us an email at morethemispodcast at gmail.com. Please send us all of your Costco recommendations. We would love that. Yes, please. <laughs> uh, wherever you podcast, we also podcast. If you could just follow and subscribe if you have a couple minutes leave us a review just gives the little pot a little bump so we little can pot a little bump little pot a little bump <laughs> so we can gather all the curious friends because we need all of them yep 
And yeah, remember, if you love us, tell your friends, tell your family, and tell your mom. Tell your mom. Until next time, stay curious. Bye. Bye.